0: Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope this message empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. A series called Foundations at the moment, discipleship foundations, and, and that uh, message is actually on our podcast at the moment. You can go and listen to that again. Any of our messages are, and in that message we looked at uh, who was the person of Christ rather than this kind of clear cut uh, pathway, and I, and we talked about that. Whilst we want a clear cut pathway of discipleship, there often isn't one. So the per- the per- uh, the point was what are we doing? Who are we actually following? And and Jesus will lead us to the river. It was as simple as that. Now, during the week, I had uh, somebody come up to me saying, um, great message, man, but like, you know, what do I do? Like, (laughs) what do I do in this discipleship journey? And I said, well, you know, you follow Jesus. He's like, that's great. But like, what do I do? So I decided that what I would do was I would do a follow-up message to that today called The Fundamentals of my faith in Jesus. We're gonna bring that title up right now. There we go, Discipleship Foundations, the Fundamentals of my faith in, in Jesus. Now, there are many different fundamentals that we can talk about, but this morning I'm just going to talk about five key things, five fundamentals that for me have been keeping me on the straight and narrow all these years. I mean, I grew up in a pastor's home, uh, and at about the age of 14, I decided it wasn't for me, so I carried on doing uh, my life my way, and I discovered that that way didn't work very well. So I then decided that at, at, at age 16, that I would follow this for myself, Well, I'm now now, 46, was that Donna? That's nearly 30 years later. Later on this year, shucks, it's coming around fast, isn't it? Nearly 30 years later, that I've managed to keep on the relative straight and narrow. We've had a few little blips here and there, but it's been not bad. So at any rate, I'm just going to um, pray, and then we're just going to get into this message. So Lord God, I just want to thank you for this message. I just pray, Lord, that you would watch over my words. I pray, Lord God, that you would bring Lord God, an anointing, Lord God, as I speak. I pray, Lord God, that this, the simplicity of this message would penetrate every heart this morning. And I just want to thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20. and reading from the message version here. You can follow along with me if you want to. The 11 disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for their reunion. Now, a little backstory on this. This is after he's been crucified, he's risen again, and he's just met with them. So the disciples were on their way back to Galilee. The moment they saw him, they worshiped him. Although somehow back, not sure about worship and about risking themselves totally. Another translation simply just says that they doubted. I mean, in this moment, they were nervous they were gonna be crucified themselves. That was what was going on. They were going after every Christian that they possibly could do. So Jesus, undeterred by their lack of faith, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission all of you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life. In fact, the NLT puts it this way. Just go and make disciples, very clearly. Go and make disciples. And he says, Mark them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. And I'll be with you as you do this. And then he says this, day after day after day, and right up to the end of age. And I was every single day up until the end of the age. One thing is clear is that we are called to be disciples. It's just, it's just plain and simple. It's in the Bible that we're called to be disciples. We are called to lead people in the way that we follow. Now, that's the challenge. I've never had an issue with uh, being a disciple myself. I think that's pretty straightforward. But the idea that I've now got to lead people in my way and that I've got to actually lead people in the way that God's actually called me to, now that can be a challenge because when we're busy talking with people at the gym or uh, we're, we're talking with them uh, out in the supermarkets or at schools or in our workplaces, the challenge is, what do you do when the rubber hits the road and you have to share your faith and you have to actually lead people in the way? Now that's the challenge, all right? Um, The challenge is to lead other people in the way of Christ That is the next level This is my first time I'm using paper notes I'm just going to bear with me as I flip this page I've got it, I've got it, it's coming We've got it all right, here we go. So when I was studying in my business degree, I remember one night in management accounting class. Now, management accounting is one of those papers that uh, Arno can probably attest to this. It's one of those tricky kind of papers, all right? I think if quantitative analysis uh, had a fight with management accounting, I think management accounting might just win that fight if in terms of it was a big fight. all right? We always had these discussions, very tricky papers. Uh, the pressure was mounting up, It was pouring with rain and the tensions in the classroom were really high. We were workshopping. We couldn't figure out how to solve the equation. And mid-class, there was a girl there that actually had a very public and loud breakdown right in the middle of everybody. She actually stood up. She slammed her book down on the desk and she said to me in front of everybody, she said this, expletive imagine what that can be in your own mind. What the expletive is your problem, Dave, I mean, you are always so positive, and no matter how hard the problem is, you don't tend to get rocked by it, and you tend to say kind of quite calm. And then she said, I want to know what is different about you. Why do you carry a different disposition in life to the rest of us? And then she screamed at the top of her lungs, tell me what's different about you. Well, the whole room went quiet, All eyes were on us, and the tutor, somewhat annoyed, and you can imagine this, he was writing the equation on the board, turned around and goes, well, come on, lad, we don't have all day. Tell her what's different about you so we can carry on with the lesson. So... I thought to myself, well, I could either blow this off and just say, look, it's just my personality. I'm just kind of like this glass half full sort of guy. I just always like to see the positive in life. But I decided to share with her the actual truth of the matter, which is actually that my faith is actually uh, central to who I am, that when the chips are down and when things are tough, I've got a faith that I can turn to. And that that person was a person called Jesus who was very much real to me. It wasn't just a person that was written about in the Bible. And that's simple as it was i <laughs> Well, the tutor then said, all right, that's enough of that. Back to the equation. Let's get on with it. And um, she didn't necessarily uh, come to church. She didn't necessarily, um, you know, throw her repentance on the altar at that moment and say, uh, give me all of what you've got. But we definitely had some interesting discussions with not only her, but a bunch of other people in that moment. Um, Earlier on in life, I uh, uh, missed this moment because I was at my boss's house with a guy called Georgian Jordan, and her name used to be called Trish, and she changed her name to Jordan because their witch doctor had told her to do that. Well, she said to me, Dave, um, this is quite a bit early. She said to me, Dave, I was hoping for a bit more debate with you about your faith. And every time I like, try to bring up the faith, you kind of blow it off. And I said, well, you're my boss. I don't want to lose my job. And she said, no, I really want it. Anyway, she said tell me about your faith. And I remember just being stunned and had no idea what to say, even though I'd been brought up in it. The challenge was when the chips are down, what do you actually say? I missed my moment and I decided I'd never ever do that again. So there's been some things that have helped me throughout my life that have actually been fundamental to my discipleship journey. Five of them. So let's go through them one at a time. And I'm just gonna touch on them because uh, I don't really have time to do everyone justice. Let me just touch on them. So number one is this, Prayer. Prayer is number one. It has been one of the foundational practices in my life. At every turning point, it has also been prefaced by, by prayer and also the seeking of wise counsel. With that said, I don't think you need to wait for a moment of crisis, and I don't think you need to wait for a moment where everything's going wrong to turn to prayer. I think that the purpose of prayer is to actually just talk with a dialogue with God one-on-one, just the two of you. We can do it corporately as well. That's great. We'll talk about doing that, but really it's just talking with God one-on-one. It's not that over-spiritual. It's just something that you can actually do, just talking out. Uh, I also don't think that prayer, the purpose of prayer is just to bring God a big list of things that are wrong in your life and to tell God everything that you want fixing. I think that's great. That's part of it. But I think that there's some ways about this. I also don't think that prayer needs to necessarily be formulaic as in we do it the same every single time. But with that, I've actually found a good a good rhythm that actually works for me in my life. So I just wanted to share it this morning. Uh, The Scripture says in Psalms 100 verse 4, to enter His gates with thanksgiving in our heart and to enter the courts with praise. So I almost always have a habit of starting prayer with thanksgiving to God. Now that could be as simple as just thanking God for the tough season in my life. It could be, God, I thank you that I've got a challenge right now. It could be, God, I thank you I've got something to go through, something I can bring to you. Or maybe it can be, uh, God, I wanna thank you, for the things that I've got. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my four children. Thank you for my home. Thank you for our church. I'll just start naming some things that we're thanking God for. I won't start with my struggles. I won't start with my issues. I won't start with my needs or even my desires. I'll start with thanking God. God, I wanna thank you for everything we've got. It starts by changing my disposition, centers my heart on him and all that he is, and it's just my thoughts and my heart of the struggle that I give it all to him. Page turning time. (laughs) Then after I've done the Thanksgiving thing, I then get real with God. I then tell him at that moment then how I'm actually feeling in the moment, what I'm thinking, what my struggle is, and I just lay it all out on the table. I mean, Jesus said, bring your burdens to me. And so you do exactly that. So after I start by thanking God, I then say, right, God, this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling frustrated, or I'm feeling happy, or I'm feeling, God, I'm feeling angry. God, I'm feeling misunderstood. Whatever it might be, I'll just lay it actually all out on the table. Then after that, I will then ask God for a solution to the problem. And I will say, God, uh, this is what I'm asking for. And if you're, when you pray, I would say this as well. Be specific about the things that you're asking for. Be specific about the outcomes you want for. If you're praying for a new car, I would say, tell God what sort of car that you want. Even down to the color. There are so many things like this. Now, when you get the blue car rather than the red, be thankful anyway. But actually thank God for these things and actually ask Him. Then once I've told God what I want, I then finish off by saying, well, God, actually, it's not my will that actually matters. It's actually yours. So I then submit my will over to God's and say, God, this is what I think I needs to happen. But sometimes I think God's ways are higher than our ways. It's one of the fundamentals of God, right? Is that we pray and we say, God, well, actually, your will be done. I've got to tell you, there are so many times I've prayed for things to happen that haven't happened. And boy, I am thankful that God understood that I needed something different than what I asked for. There are many, many times where I've prayed for stuff. And it's just like, actually, you know, there was a better way. And by the way, God's timing is totally different than our time. And we want it to happen like here, 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 here. And actually, when you look back, you'll actually see, no, that pause, that struggle was totally worth that thing. So number one, I'd say prayer would be one of my fundamentals. Number two, we're going to talk about the Word of God. The Word of God, also known as the Bible, right? Well, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible is still the most sold book in the world. I did some research um, just to make sure that was actually still correct. There's over 5 billion copies of the, of the Bible out there right now. That is in the printed form, not necessarily all the digital forms as well, which is absolutely stunning. Now, here's the thing. When I was researching this and I was thinking about it, this thing whereabouts we talk about reading the Bible is actually countercultural right now it's anti-woke, it's, uh, it's something which could be seen as hate speech, it's something that where we actually tell people that the Bible believes us about a certain topic, you can become awfully unpopular. But the question is, what is it that shapes our faith? The fact of the matter is that it's actually the Bible or the Word of God. We could talk about the written Word of God being the Logos, Or we could talk about the spoken word of God, Ben the Rhema. Or we could talk about how the first five books of the Bible were passed down through spoken methods only. Isn't that incredible? It wasn't even written. But back then, we didn't even understand the the written word. It It was something that was in the intrinsic nature was to remember stuff. There wasn't this information, knowledge overload that we had today. It was passed down very successfully. But what we actually need to talk about is how the Bible is the one book that defines what our Christian discipleship journey is actually about, right? This thing, it's, I mean, it's literally written down for us in the Bible in black and white, and occasionally the red letters, which is the words of Jesus. The important thing is that we have a written basis of our faith in Jesus, That's really important. It's not tailor-made to our own faith. We're not picking and choosing what it is. The question is, do you believe the Word of God in its entirety? And here's the interesting thing. I looked up the stat. This is a very recent study. Just bring this up, Sophie. Since 2011, the percentage of people who actually read the Bible has ranged from as low as 48%, which is in 2020 to a high of 53% in 2014. And the actual average over, the, over the, uh, the last 30 years was 50% of Christians actually said that they would read their Bible on a regular basis, meaning on a monthly basis. Uh, a lot of Americans, one out of five Americans said that they would read the word of God but they would only do it twice a year. So the question is what's shaping our faith? What is actually bringing about this stuff, and that 's why I think we get a lot of confusion in this day and age and what i 'm going to say is not popular, but you know we get our our uh, our foundational uh, Belief about what's correct in society, often from movie stars, from the movies, from our songs we do, from our friends, everything else but the Bible. But the Bible is the Holy Word of God. We have to believe it. That's what we do as Christians. So the question is, how do we actually read the Word of God? Well, there's many different ways you can do it. I personally have read it. This is not a brag by any means, but just so you know, I've done it. I've read the whole Bible from cover to cover twice in my life. I've read the New Testament eight times from Matthew through to, Revelations, um, you know, uh, I think eight times in my life, and other bits and pieces. I get a little bit bored around Leviticus and some of those sort of things, but there's some there's some things there. So here goes one way that you could read the Bible. This is just one methodology. It's called soap. So this is very simple. So you get your scripture, and you could do this once a day or even once a week if you're just getting started. That's okay. You start with with the scripture. That's the S, and you you get your passage. I'd say don't make that passage too long make that a little bit shorter then after that you're going to make the o the observation and this observation is what is something which is speaking to you from this passage right now then you go to the a which is called the application and that is how can i actually apply the word of god in my moments so you've got the scripture You've made an observation, how am I gonna apply it? And then the last thing is P, it's the prayer. And we're gonna actually then pray and we're actually gonna dedicate that to God. And that's a very, very simple way. If you're struggling to read your Bible, I mean, I've used this, this method very very um, easily. Just get a, just get a dictionary, um, not a dictionary, what do you call this? things? A journal, you could get a dictionary if you wanted to, wouldn't help. Uh, you can get yourself a journal and you can just write it down bit by bit, get your scripture out, just like four or five verses, whatever it's gonna be. You know, makes your observation, what, how you're gonna apply it, and what's the prayer. Really simple. So number one was prayer. Number two was the Word of God. Number three is taking steps of applied faith. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is what actions will we now make as a result of what we believe and what it is that who we feel that like God's called us to and the words that God's actually spoken to us. I have just got this incensed desire that if God said it, I'm gonna take it to be true, I'm just gonna believe it. So I'm not one of those guys who uh, who actually spends a lot of time asking God why stuff happens and why did why did people pass away early or why did somebody get healed of cancer and somebody else didn't. I've never, I don't know what it is in me, I've just never questioned it. If, if you have, that's also fine. I'm not saying one's, one way's right or the other. I've just always had a faith in God that actually maybe there's some things I don't understand. So i have just got to trust that He's actually got there. So what I'd say is this, is that there's gotta be a Jesus gap uh, in this faith journey. This is the gap between what it is you feel God's called you to do and what you currently see. So it might be that you God's called you to buy a house, but you actually don't have the means. There's a gap there that you've got to plug, which is called the Jesus Gap. This is where the only thing that can actually make that happen is Jesus actually making that happen. Uh, when we were newly married, we were very tight with money um, one particular Sunday, I remember very, very clearly, we had this a certain amount of money left in our bank, and it was pretty much the tithe that we had to pay for that week. Um, and I don't necessarily, uh, whether or not it's religious tithing or whatever it is, just giving is one of the principles of God. And we had this chat about, well, what should we do? Should we put aside this tithe, or should we go buy some groceries? We were pretty low on food at the time, and we also were very low on fuel. And we prayed about it and we said, well, you know what? We're just going to take an active step of applied faith. here." And we said, no, we're going to make a decision to tithe. So what we did is we made that decision. We prayed. We then felt God to tell us to make a shopping list. So we made a shopping list and we made it brand specific. I, I'm, I'm not a big believer in PAMS. Um, so so I, I made this brand. Any PAMS believers out there? Actually, a couple of people. All right, that's all good. There you go. So anyway, I made this brand-specific uh, uh, shopping list, and we put it on the we put it on the fridge, and then we we decided we're off to work tomorrow morning. We were just doing seasonal work at the time. We put the tithe aside that we're going to go pay the next day. About an hour later, the door knocks. Uh, well, the door didn't knock. Somebody knocked on the door, <laughs> and they came to the door, and. Um, They said, hey, we were just kind of walking around the supermarket doing our shopping and we felt to do a grocery shop for you guys. So they came in with bag after bag after bag of groceries and we went through our shopping list and absolutely everything that we had in our shopping list to the brand was actually specifically there in that list and a few other little um, goodies, which was fantastic. The next morning, we just like, this is unbelievable. Do you remember this? Yeah, there we go. It had actually happened a couple of times, but... um, and by the way, a step of applied faith for you could be doing that for somebody. Actually, actually believing God could actually call you to do that as well. So anyway, we we just um we were just like this is unbelievable. Still thinking, oh man, we're still low on fuel here. Now, back in the day, we used to believe in the letterbox, right? Something other than a bill would come through. Anyway, we got up the next morning to go to work and we just checked our letterbox, which we normally wouldn't do. We'd do that at the end of the day. And in the letterbox, if you want to believe it, was from a totally different person, a month's worth of fuel uh, vouchers. We could not, uh, could not believe it. We just decided we would just put our, our faith whereabouts our, our uh, what's the phrase, where the money is? Put the money where the mouth is? Is that what the phrase is? There was a Jesus gap that God filled, Um, Another time I heard a friend of mine that uh, had a really strong sense to go and invite his atheist friend to church. So he went and rocked up to his workplace and he went up and he said to him, hey man, you should come to church this Sunday. The guy was like, I'm an atheist. He goes, I know, but I really felt like God has asked you to come to church. And he goes, well, do you believe that Jesus rose from the grave? And my mate said to him, yeah, I believe that. He goes, well, I just don't believe that Jesus even existed. And he said, well, well, what do you believe? So he shared his faith with him. The guy shot him down, sent him away, almost in tears, about to go away. And he was driving around asking God, hey, I don't know what the deal with that was. Why did I feel the sense to go and ask this guy to come to church? Well, it wasn't until years later, he would happen to be preaching. And this guy who he didn't know came up out of nowhere and came to him and said, hey, I wanted to thank you so much for your faith. and I want to thank you for the impact that your ministry has had on my life. And the guy said to him, well, I don't know you. Have we ever met before? The guy said, no, we haven't met, but you won't believe this. But years ago, um, you came to a workplace and you try to ask your friend, who was an atheist, to come to church. Well, I happened to be laying the carpet tiles. You couldn't see me, but I was down the back laying the carpet tiles and getting this thing up and running. I rang my wife. I was so uh, blown away by your uh, not being blown back and by being so faithful to what you felt called to do. I rang my wife and said, we've got to go to church this Sunday. I went to church. We gave our life to Jesus and everything else changed in our life. And you know what? You just do not know what these steps of faith mean. You've just got to take a step of applied faith. There's no point coming to church on a Sunday and all we're doing is we're just chatting with one another and and getting filled up at the river. I mean, that's great. That's awesome. But there's got to be another stage, right? There's another stage to discipleship whereabouts we've got to put our mouth where our money is. We've got to actually put some action on this thing. It's so, so important. So, so good. Um, Number four, so that was the third one. Number four is Being planted in church, now I know I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are here this morning, but I wanna just talk about this, being planted in church and it's being something bigger than who I am alone. So what I'm gonna say is this, is the collective we, and I've said this before, is greater than the power of just little old me. This is about reaching beyond myself and actually realizing that actually, I can't do this alone. I mean, I had this belief and this belief structure that I could do this by myself. Uh, in fact, one time in a youth group, I actually ran a whole youth event by myself to prove that my event was going to be better than the ones that, that all the teams have put together. And guess what? It absolutely sucked. I mean, like, there were actually, there was no fruit from that moment whatsoever. But, you know, it, it's I used to kind of, look, this might be a little controversial, but there, there is the kingdom, absolutely. And then there is the local church. And I really believe that the local church is actually the, the answer. I mean, Jesus is the answer for the world, but I think the mechanism that God uses is the local church. And I think that when we do something together, it is far more powerful than just these little individual things that happen. Now, I know that God works all in all and he works it all through everything, but there is such a power in people like Paul Fox going into Franklin and ministering with the family in there. There's such a power in having our connect. Group. There's such a power this morning. When we worshiped together, there's an atmosphere that's created. You know, I mean, God says that we're two or three gathered. That's all it takes. He brings a blessing. He brings an anointing, you know, so that when Willie led like he did this morning. And by the way, brother, you've got such a beautiful voice. It's so, so amazing. Um, And then I heard you guys add that. I thought we can go anywhere with this. It's amazing. When we put our funds together and we put into our funds things like um, loaves and fishes and we, 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 we feed people, we've got a program at church where we feed people. We've got a thing called Samaritan's Cup. It's amazing what we can actually do together. And the Bible very simply just says, do not forsake the gathering together of the saints as some are in the habit of doing. It is a spiritual practice that God blesses. And I wanna thank you so much for being here this morning. And fifthly, I'd say this is endurance, and perseverance. Oh, this is an interesting one, isn't, isn't it? There's so many other I could have added to this. Just worship, I could have uh, I added um, reflection, I could have added waiting on God, could have added a lot. But just this morning, I just wanna talk about endurance and perseverance. This is a hallmark of Michelle's in my life. This is an absolute hallmark. This comes out of a strong sense of being convinced that if God said it, then he will be faithful to complete it. When the chips are down, we discover what we believe and we discover who we really are. Actually, at the end of the day, when things really aren't going your way, you really do discover what it is that you believe. It will absolutely dictate your actions. So here's a question. Look at this. Do we get despondent at every disappointment? Are we the person that when every disappointment comes along, we're like, oh God, why did you let that happen? I mean, I spoke to a guy this week that said he didn't, I prayed and uh, what he wanted to happen didn't happen. And he said, all these Christians are telling me, oh, God's got something better for me. And he said, I feel like Christians are just spitting in my face. He said, because I just can't understand how a God would let me down that, that badly. And I said to him, mm. And I told him what I told you guys just before. There are so many things I'm so pleased that never happened that I prayed for. I thought I needed them in the moment. I thought that's what God was calling me to do. But man, I'm so thankful that God protected me from my own self in those moments. So I said to them, keep on holding on. Even though you feel like Christians are getting you down, there is one that will never let you down, and that's Jesus. This endurance and perseverance is just so, so important. Sometimes I see people getting tossed this way and getting tossed that way. They're not sure what to do with life. The shoulder even gain momentum, just going round and round the same bush sometimes. And sometimes God's like, just trust in me. There is something that I'm calling into you to, which is far greater. Hebrews chapter six, verse 11 to 15 says this. It says, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. In order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Well, there's a hope that we gotta believe in that it will come true. Then you will not be spiritually dull or another, Translation says spiritually immature and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you. Imagine taking an oath in your own name. God in God's name (laughs) and your God. Um, God God took oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond a number. Then Abraham waited patiently and then he received what God had promised. here's, Here's the question for you this morning. What has God said to you about your future? Do you believe it? Do you believe that God is gonna fulfill the promise that he spoke to you? When you get a prophetic word over your life or you feel you're praying and God's speaking to you, do you write it down and come back to that word every time? Or do you think, oh, that never happened. I wasn't meant to be of God. Well, I bet you it is. Lock it in your heart because your why will sustain you in every hard season. In fact, it's possibly one of the defining factors of our faith. It is our response in the tough season. And no, I don't just mean whether we get frustrated or angry or whether we laugh and cry in the moments we just want to happen. all, All those responses are normal, they're natural, that's fine. It is this, it's about what are the decisions that we now make because of the call of God in our life? What are we actually gonna do with that? I'm just gonna invite the band to come up and join me right now. So here's the question, what is Jesus calling you to? Because in this discipleship journey, if He called you to it, He is definitely gonna remain faithful to that call. Absolutely. This morning, you might not even know what your call is. You may not even know what God's actually asking you to do in the here and now. And we talked about this a few weeks ago where we talked about, you know, God wants you to do and use what's in your hand rather than just trying to achieve what's in your heart. I think we just got to do the first step, which is what's happening right here, right now and using what God's actually got for you to do it. And guess what? It's not not just for your now, but for the lives of those around you in the future. Someone is following you, they're watching and learning the ways of Jesus through your example. They are being discipled by you, whether you know it or not. And I said it this week in an email, but you may be the only Jesus they get to see. As simple as that. But here goes the great news and I want to finish with this thought is that it's actually not on you. It's actually on God to actually make this thing happen. I've always thought, man, what if I share my faith and nothing happens? What about that time where where the the girl in my class slammed the books down and said, what's different about you? And nothing happened. Well, good news, it's actually not on me. It's actually on God. Last scripture I'm going to read is 1 Corinthians 3, verse five to nine. And now we're having a debate in the scripture about, well, who was more, whose teaching was better? Was it Apollos? Or was it Paul or was it Simon or whose preaching was the best? And Paul wrote this, he says, After all, who is Apollos and who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us and I planted the seed in your hearts. But then get this, Apollos watered that seed, but it was God that made it grow. It's not important who does the planting and it's not important who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants, the one who waters, work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. It doesn't matter which part of it you do, as long as you're doing a part of it. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field and you are God's building. And that's simply simply the five fundamentals I wanted to talk about today, which is these are the things that have actually helped me. So number one, it is all about Jesus. Then it's about these basics. Coming back to prayer, actually giving everything over to God. It's amazing what happens when we just stop and we just pray. Then after that, it's about where are we getting our foundations from? Wherever where is it really coming from, or well, from the Word of God. The num- number three. Going to look back through my own notes. Number three was taking steps of applied faith, actually applying this thing that we're actually learning. Number four, be planted in your local church. Number five. Just be be patient. Just be patient. Persevere with what it is that God's got you to do. And this is simply, it's just as simple as that. We're going to just uh, sing this song right now. Do it again. And we're just going to sing uh, and just give this over. Because one of you just stand with us right now. And I wonder whether there's something in the message this morning that God's been speaking to you about. You know, when I was preparing this message, I really didn't feel like, This was just something that was logical. for me, it was logical. It's like i prepared my whole life to share some of these basic thoughts. But if there is something inside you that just feels like you want to respond to God, you're believing in God for something, you need some perseverance, maybe you need to give it over to God, we just want to make this altar, this is what they kind of call this front area up here, like this altar area available. And we'd just absolutely love to pray with you this morning through anything. So as we sing that, come on up and we'll pray for you. But thanks so much for listening this morning. You've been fantastic. God bless you in this place as we sing. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at at infoannisbrook.co.nz or visit our website.